Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. I am excited to share these candles with you guys. If you've ever watched my stories, you know I'm constantly burning smiles and light candles. I cannot get through a podcast editing session without my lighted up rice candle. It smells incredible. They're soy blend candles that are literal perfection. They have a wood wick, they smell amazing for the entire life of the candle, and they're freaking huge, 12 ounces. They last forever and I cannot stop buying more. They're hand blended and poured by Molly over at Molly Smiles Reads, and she has a wide variety of fandoms and scents. She has everything from SJM to all of your favorite indie authors. So fill your house with the smells of your ultimate book boyfriend or ultimate book girlfriend and check out her candles over at smilesandlight.com and use my code bookishbanter10 to save. Hello. Hi. I'm so excited. Two weeks in a row. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop. I feel like we just spoke like yesterday, but it really was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a week ago, so. Yes. Well, welcome back to the show. Very excited to have you. I'm excited to be here as always. Yeah, my co-host Molly. <laughs> I, know, right? I just happen to read a lot of the same things that you read, so it makes it convenient. It happens, and I enjoy yeah. coming on and talking with you, so. Yeah, and I'm excited. This was like one of the first episodes I think you and I ever did together. Yes, it was. And I loved Belladonna. So we're here to talk about Fox Glove, which came out a couple of months ago and dive into it. Let's do it. I'm excited. So since this has come out, they have released the cover for Wisteria. And I know I sent you the photo, but I'm a little surprised at how like bright the colors are on it. But I'm excited that we are going to get Blythe's story. It makes sense, though, because like fate is really showy and bright and yeah that's Wisteria true. itself is a very bright and like beautiful flower mm-hmm. so it makes sense and you know Blythe being the almost like the sun to Cigna's moon I guess like she's the light and Cigna is the dark that it would have to be kind of that polar yeah process. I am excited to see all three of these covers put together too, because Belladonna is like half a face, Fox Love is the other half, and then to have Blythe, and I love that. And I really think she did a great job of kind of, I mean, this is like way deep into it, but I think she did a really great job of bringing like a side character in Mm -hmm. and not making like the next book about her, like not making it a bunch of series altogether that are really about like a bunch of different people. I love how she did it a lot about Cigna, these first two, and then I'm excited to see what she does with Blythe in the next one. I think it was... Yes, it was very much about Cigna, but I think because we got Blythe's POV, it was that perfect blend. It's almost like they're passing the torch in Foxglove for Wisteria to happen and for it to make sense and not be a, oh, this is a Blythe book. But I'm sure we're going to see Cigna in death in Wisteria. But I really felt like this book was a continuation of Cigna's stories and her struggles and the the relationship that she and death have with the added challenge of now fate coming in but i think it was really kind of a perfect i know i just said this but passing of the torch yeah um in a no i agree i think that's like a, a very perfect way to put that yeah i think adeline grace did a really good job of not blatantly saying the next book not being like okay cool this is done and now it's blithe Right. turn it just was this like natural progression of oh okay so like yeah what's happening with life and I hope Signa and death are still going to be a part of it and yeah I think it was a fit I know we're going all over the place but I also I think it was kind of a fitting ending for Blythe in this because she never really fit in with society really mm-hmm. like she just she had no desire to marry. She just wanted to be her own person. Very similar for a while that Cigna felt that way too for like a hot minute, I feel like. But I think, I don't know. I'm really excited to see where that storyline goes between fate and life. I agree. And I'm really, I know a lot of people said, so we can kind of get into it, but I know a lot of people said that they didn't love this one as much 
and that it sort of suffered from that like second book slump. And I'm going to have to like very blatantly disagree. 100%. Yep. Okay. I'm with you. Like, I, page. yeah, we are very much on the same page. I loved, I, I want to say maybe my, it's not even a criticism, but like the only thing is at the end of Belladonna, Death was like, I want you to go live your life. And mm -hmm. At the end of this book, Death was like, I'm with you forever. Like that's right. Just... <laughs> you will be living your life with me. <laughs> right, right. It was, like that was that's probably my only criticism, but it's very much like obviously they, they love each other. So there's no yeah. need for Cigna to go discover herself, I guess. So yeah. And Adeline kind of I went to a signing with her and she kind of did mention that like she struggled a little bit with this one because she was like, it's a story I need to tell, but it's not like necessarily the most epic story. And so mm -hmm. I kind of had that idea going into it, but I like disagree even with her own notions. Like, I think this one was really well done and I know there wasn't like a huge mystery. I mean, obviously there's a whodunit and all that kind of stuff, but like, there's not that many people that could have done it. So I think even mm -hmm. finding that out at the very end, it wasn't like that was the thing that was keeping us like engaged the whole time versus with a belladonna you obviously want to find out who's poisoning blythe and like that i don't want to say matters more but like this duke that died it wasn't necessarily like the whole storyline like we're trying to figure something else out and so i kind right. of see where she's coming from but at the same time like i feel like this was definitely a story that needed to be told and like we needed to have those this in between where it's not necessarily action 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 or like there's not a lot going on but you're trying to figure out like how these people are going to live their lives and for me that i find like really interesting you know what i mean no, 100%. And I also feel like it was super important for us to have Cigna going to Foxglove and experiencing right. that and finding her place in her, in the house where she was born and then seeing how the town has since the death, like that whole big massacre happened, has healed itself and then also kind of put up their boundaries regarding that house so it was I thought it was really I don't know I I agree with you that I don't understand the criticism mm -hmm. and I feel like this story was very important there were a lot of things at play in this book where the main like there were like maybe two things at play I want to say in like Belladonna where this one, it was, yes, the, the Duke finding out, like, who murdered the Duke to get Cigna's uncle and Blythe's father or cousin, whatever, I forget the relation, out of out of jail. And, but then there was also, you know, Blythe's discovering who and what Cigna really is and her yeah. coming to terms with that. And then I loved getting the background of death and fate. Mm -hmm. Like, that was really just super important it reminded me and it's funny because because of you i'm rewatching it reminded me of like stefan and damon like from the vampire right. diaries i had that exact notion i was like wow this i think i've seen this film before and i didn't like the ending <laughs> just kidding i did like the ending it was great yeah yeah exactly. so i mean i know that you're not one of those people but did you go into this reading the synopsis did you kind of have an idea what this was going to be about or did you just sort of go into it I just went into it. Okay. I, I, I'm not really a synopsis person. I'm more of a give me the vibes. And so I will follow people on social media. Like I follow Adeline on Instagram and she posts the vibes and I'm like, mm -hmm. yes. And she posts, you know, the, the teaser copy, the quote that fate says, that's like, are you nervous? Are you afraid I'm going to destroy you? And you don't know who's saying that to. And so you're like, oh my God, is it, is it going to be like a true love triangle? Which I hate the love triangle trope, but I feel like this one was done kind of perfectly. Yeah, agreed. So. I don't hate a love triangle, but someone said to like someone said it and I can't remember who it was. And they were like, oh, there's no way she's going to end up with someone else. Like we already know she loves death. And I was like, yes and no. Like I kind of get that, but I really liked the way that she did this. Because I was, I had heard that before I started it and I was like, okay, I get obviously fate is going to come in in some way and try to like interrupt whether it is to hit on Cigna or to Blythe. I, I imagined he was going to end with Blythe. That was just kind of where I saw it going Same. before this even started. Like when Same. he showed up, I was like, oh, okay. So here's Blythe's love interest. But I, so I was anticipating that and I was like, oh, love triangle. That's interesting. How's she going to do it? And I really liked the way she did it because it wasn't like, 
it's not like that forced type of thing where you yeah. feel like, yeah, you like hate the other person. It was like, oh, okay, long lost love. Interesting. Like that's such a unique take on all of it. And then it's like, you can't really hate fate because he thinks that she's some girl he loved, you know, a million years ago. And you like feel bad for him almost. So then you're like, well, he's exactly. not like vindictive. And I don't think fate was like the villain at any point, which I, like I don't think too. he was either. I think he is the product of what he is. Mm-hmm. And even death, I think says something similar. Like he is always working on this tapestries and he's forgotten how to live because, yeah. and he says, he's like, it's because of me. He blames me, but death was honestly just doing his job. And kind of sucks I, I feel job. for death he's got like the short end of the stick here when it comes to you know vocations um <laughs> yeah well and when he didn't do his job and he was like i started the bubonic plague i was like oh you poor baby <laughs> i was singing the song it's like a 90s country song cause and effect chain of oh. events all of that <laughs> forget you sing that but i was like cause and effect Ooh. chain of events yeah Yeah, I felt really bad and I don't know I really liked you know I think she draws you in really well with the prologue and you being like okay so where is this gonna go and I was still shocked even after reading the prologue of him being like oh she has a silver thread or what have you I was still shocked when he was like I think your life and I don't know something in me like when the plot twist happens at the end and Blythe obviously ends up being life I was still like shocked by it. I had a feeling because I was like, there's no way that like he doesn't end up with Blythe. But I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. And just the way that she was described as being this like light person, having light hair and like silver eyes. And like, there's so many, there's so much like symbolism behind Blythe's name of like always being, you know, just above silver and like this very light blue and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, it made sense. But I was still shocked by it. Were you surprised? I was I was, I don't want to say shocked. I was like, oh, when it happened, I had a feeling that it, it, I knew, I just knew mainly because I really like death and sickness together Mm -hmm. that Cigna could not be life. Like she just, she could not be life. Right. But the twist at the end definitely kind of went, uh aha, like almost more of a light bulb moment than a shock moment. That's a great way to put that. I agree. And I think it was really well done to that, like, you get all these moments where Cigna is, you know, doing things that would make her seem like she is life. And then she finally figures it out at the end. And I was like, I love this, like, revolution. Yeah. But I'm I'm curious. So Cigna is still a Reaper. And that's why death is, like, drawn to her, right? Yes. That was my understanding at the end. But that was very much the case. Okay. That's what I thought. I just was like, I'm so confused. But why has, well, I guess it's like death probably just has like never tried. So I guess maybe death like never wanted to, but I'm kind of curious as like if he ever tried to do something like this and, and like, if that's why he didn't figure it out sooner rather than later, like you've never grown anything or like taken that, but I guess he wasn't near life at any point that he would have like tested that theory. So I don't, I think it's because he can't touch anything. Yeah. Touches something, they die. So why would he think he could grow something? I think Cigna has that she is alive, but she's also a reaper and she has that balance where she can do both. Right. And he like never was alive, right? No, I don't believe he was. Just I, I think he doesn't even remember because I think in Belladonna, Cigna asks him and he was like, I might've had a life, but I don't, it's, he doesn't know. It's like been so long. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So what did you think about the whole relationship with fate, life, death, all that kind of stuff, and how he like insists that it's platonic, and then obviously he likes Cigna, and we think that she's life. Like, Did you find that to be like a Stefan and Damon situation? Were you like, ooh, this is fun? What were your kind of thoughts on that? Well, we know I like, I hate a love triangle, but if it's, it was done well. It was giving Stefan Damon vibes the entire time. It gave me very much Vampire Diary vibes. But I think also fate, I think he got to a point where he was just so desperate for something and he, in his desperation and in his anger towards death, he lashed out and that's when he decided to join the party, you know what I mean? So to say, unintended and really insert himself into Cigna's life. And then I loved though, how the first meeting of 
one-on-one meeting with any character with fate really was with life looking mm-hmm. at the is it the painting yeah i think it was a painting i was like i can't remember if it was like a statue or a painting um that was like his long lost love and mm-hmm. I, I don't know i just thought that was really interesting I think she did a good job with the chemistry too between all yeah. the characters. Like even when Fate is with Cigna, it's mm-hmm. like you kind. Of, she says it like I kind of feel bad for him, and it's not like he's this horrible person, and it's giving like Caroline and Klaus. Like I was gonna say that that relationship <laughs> was that relationship was very much Caroline and Klaus. Like yeah, he's that he is the villain, but like quote unquote loosely used villain. But he's right. the villain in Cigna's story, if you think about it. Yeah, but you know he just is honestly a sad, sad boy looking for love. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I kind of thought it was interesting though, that, uh, all these issues that Cigna has with her powers. So I know it was conveniently like, you know, written off as fate being the issue. But like, when I first started reading it, I was like, what powers does she have that she can like do without the Belladonna berries? And like, was she able to see death even still? Cause he, remember he says at the end, he's like, Oh, live your life and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I guess I was a little confused and I thought it was a little convenient that fate was the one that was like keeping her from talking to him and doing all these things. And it was like, did she realize so much of her reaper powers that she was going to be able to like communicate with him regardless in the future? Like, was that her plan all along? I guess I don't really remember a lot of like the ending of Belladonna as far as her. like. So I think it was more of she uses the belladonna berries it, from my understanding in the beginning at least she used the belladonna berries to almost call death because he yeah. can't always be with her because you know he's kind of busy because she still was new with her powers and understanding right. it and still needed death to help understand and like walk through walls and stuff but if she was closer to the plane of actual death not the death with the d with a a little d instead of the capital d then she would be able to do her reaper stuff without death's help but she could like talk to him without the berries right correct and that's because he would like present i think that was the manifestation of her powers Mm -hmm. towards the end i think she accepted a bit of who she was at the end of belladonna yeah because i was like I don't remember her being able to like openly chat with him all the time whenever she wanted without having someone dying. But then how was Silas able to converse with her? Right. That's what I was saying. I don't remember because because like Blythe was so close to death. Is that why? Like that he was able to like manifest? No. I think he chose to show himself. Okay. Because he was solid throughout the entire journey from her awful aunt's house or grim no her aunt's house yeah to wherever life lives i forget the name of that manor i don't know i was gonna be like belladonna no because the other two books are yeah 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 of of the of the manners hawthorne no thorn thorn grove thorn grove thorn grove thank you something like that because i I feel like that's jane eyre but i could be wrong anyway it's gothic novels it's a thing yeah, I so okay. So that makes more sense because I was like, I get why there was like this element of fate being able to intervene and her not talk to death and stuff. But I was like, could she really even talk to him in the first place? Like, I don't, I, I, I didn't remember from the first one. Yeah, yeah, I think so because he would just appear at least in Belladonna. I'll never forget. It's like I forget exactly. Oh, I don't have my Belladonna book with me. But when she asks him about, I'll never his... forget. I forgot. <laughs> No, when she asks about his like ghost daddy hands mm-hmm. and she was like, how do those work? And he would like, would you like a demonstration? She had not taken the berries at that point. That's right. And I was okay. like, Adeline Grace, what are you writing? Listen, this one was saucy. It was saucy. saucier than I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? There's was- like a minute in there where I was literally shocked. I know you texted me. <laughs> I was like, whoa, daddy fate said spit kink. Hey, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what if you don't drink it? What if you drink it from my mouth? And I was like, am I into this? <laughs> am I attracted to this? <laughs> exactly. You're like, wait, wait, what genre am I reading? <laughs> I was like, are we getting over trauma through some much? 
you're joking. <laughs> yes. I like how, if we want to talk about that, I like how it was sprinkled in enough to like, almost like, uh, excuse me, what? Without it mm-hmm. needing to be bumped up to NA. Yeah. Agreed. Quote unquote rating, if we want to talk about that. But And like, it is still pretty closed door. I mean, it's definitely, I think the first one might be almost a little bit saucier as far as like what you actually read. There's definitely more moments in this one of like, you know, touchy feely and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, Cigna and death get it on a lot at the end of the book. <laughs> in the first one or the second one? No, in this oh, one. Oh, in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all closed door mostly. Yeah. So it's like, I get it. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's more like moments in this one for sure. But I think in the first one, it's like, oh my, my, my daddy shadow. Yeah. Hands. <laughs> shadow hand, sh- daddy shadow hands. Would you like a demonstration? I was like, what? <laughs> Am I into this? into this? The answer is yes. Yeah. Always, so I, I think I, yeah, I, I agree. I like that. And I like that we, I, I don't know. I like when authors, I mean, I get the young adult thing, but these girls are not like that young. I think Cigna is like 19 or 20. I think she, uh, 21, 21, Bl- Blythe is younger, right? She's like, Blythe 19. is like a year or two younger, but I think right. Signa was waiting until her 21st birthday to get the That's money. That's right. Fox club, right. To like inherit the manor or something like that. Yes. Yeah. I think she had to wait until she was 21. Yeah. So I like this idea of like new adult and I kind of hate because it's not like in a bookstore that some of these authors have felt like they needed to go more of the YA. And I don't condone, like, if you're going to do young adult and it's like 16, 15, somewhere in that realm, like the open door, we don't need it to be about that. It can be very curse for true love, lots of tension, kissing, holding hands, all that. Totally fine with that. I I like this new adult, but I like that it's new adult in the way that it's like closed door, but it's still mm-hmm. like implied. It's yeah. Like, it's, I, it's yeah, it's closed tasteful. door done well. I mean, there are and this is totally jumping genres, there are rom-coms that are closed door that I absolutely love. Sarah Adams right. writes closed door and her books, like the story carries, carries themselves and you don't need that door open mm-hmm. to, it sounds weird, to get what you need out of the book. So. No, I agree. I, yeah. I, I like these fantasy ones, I guess, that have that like kind of element to them where mm-hmm. it's very like, you know, relationship-based and all that kind of stuff, but we don't necessarily need all of it. I did like it, though. I think she did a really good job of, like, sprinkling it in there, and I was like, ooh, I am intrigued. I think it also gave me, and I don't know if you, I don't think you like this trilogy. It gave me, like, Folk of the Air trilogy, like, that level of spice. Okay. And I used that word very, very loosely. Yeah. But, like, the level of the romance, Mm -hmm. physical romance aspect of the storyline um folk of the air it's it's sprinkled in there and it's a little more each book but it is closed door it's fade to black but like the intention is there and the tension is there and that's enough to kind of get the point across without having to spell it out i like that i think there's like i think that's good in i think what it is is specifically new adult in my opinion is new adult is fantasy like it, I find it very, and I'm sure there are, and I had just haven't read them and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I think a lot of that like new adult genre is mostly like older fantasy. And yeah. it is in that way because it's not romance. It's not contemporary. It's not, it's not like high fantasy or like fantasy that would stand on its, like, I don't want to say stand on its own, but it's like, it's for a very specific audience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we don't want it to be so niche that nobody finds it. But at the same time, it's like, is there like, I don't know gothic cozy fantasy is like a genre that you can find in a bookstore no so it's young adult you know what i mean where it's it's romanticy is what it is it really I it mean, is it is yeah. romanticy i do feel like though this is not this is more so with a gothic novel there is romance in it but it's not like the leading thing like it's normally a number of factors that make up a gothic novel it's like the location the building the supernatural aspect of it a mystery needing to be solved um so i don't know either and it's like yeah i don't know i just i liked that element of it i love this genre like we just did curse for true love yeah and it's that same vibe like i don't love historical romance i think and i don't really love historical fiction per se all the time well that's a lie i actually do i don't like historical romance 
Yeah. So I feel like I always need this like gothic element to it or this like fantasy element to it to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it helps me. So number one, I think I have, um, I don't know, just over consumed in my past life of historical fiction, historical romance. Like I think that for a while, like you give me a Philippa Gregory book and I would devour it in five seconds. And now I look at them and I'm like, I can't look at another you know, historical romance or historical fiction book. Not that they're not good. I just, you know, when you hyper fixate on something for a while and it just takes that one book to go, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And that's what it is for me. I think what helps me get back into that kind of element in, in reading is having those fantastical moments that just what I like to call fantasy light, the, you know, curse for true love, the, Rachel Griffin's books, Wild is the Witch, Bring Me Your Midnight, like those kind of those books. And then even the newer Isabella Banya's What the River Knows, like it's really all that kind of vibe. And it just, I eat it up like candy. Yeah. I think for me, like I obviously prefer urban fantasy. I just like the idea conceptually of like technology and that kind of thing. And then having to figure out how to navigate within a world where like there are set like really intense sets of rules. It's hard to get away with things. Mm -hmm. But the historical element to me is very like fantastical, like you're saying, where it's easy. It's easier to explain things away because the communication isn't there. Right. Nobody has technology. There's no cell phones. It's just like what they hear in the gossip pages. And I think that adds like a very different element to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I have a hard time with historical romance specifically because one, I can't remember the rules. And then when they like hold hands or are seen alone in the garden together and it's like a scandal, I'm like, Oh, and she shows her ankle. God forbid. (laughs) Yeah. And like that is mentioned in here and I like LOL'd, but (laughs) I think it's, yeah. And I think it's like really well done when you add those elements of like the Gothic and you get this like sprinkle of something else. And I, I liked the mystery in this one too. I guess we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I liked the mystery element of this one and I like that we figure it out, but then at the very end, there's like one more twist. And so it's like, you know, the whole time she's thinking it's Byron, it's Byron, it's Byron, it's Byron. It makes sense. And I almost... I don't know. I I almost wish that we had a little bit less of him being the bad guy, like initially, because I felt really bad for Elijah. Like he's gone through all this stuff and then they put him in jail. And then you're like, well, obviously Byron did it. Yeah. He's like tortured in jail. And you're like, okay, well, obviously Byron's the bad guy, which is why I think I like didn't quote unquote care as much as like when we figure out who it is, because Mm -hmm. it didn't make any sense for it to be anybody but him. Obviously it's not only him and all that kind of stuff, but it's like, I feel so bad for Elijah. And then you're like, so Byron's just like chilling like a villain and we're all just going to be okay with that. All right. Awesome. So I, I don't know. I almost wish that it was like a little less obvious that he had played a part in it because yeah. poor Elijah is just really going through the ringer here. He really is. I felt like, yes, he played a part in it, but it was too obvious that he was the main culprit. Fair. Because it was the same situation in Belladonna. And I'm like, Adeline wouldn't do that twice. But when we see that he and um what is her name is it sarah eliza what is her name is it eliza eliza something with an i spend more time together i'm Mm -hmm. like "Mm, something's up but what i did like i liked how it really did tie back to really the original um the original mystery from yeah from belladonna and how it was percy the next lot and yeah it has to be cousin because they're not brother and sister yeah because elliot took over for the duke but who was the duke in relation to elijah and byron no one right they were just friends they were friends he, the duke was going to take over the club he was going right. to sell the club to him and they're just they're just friends and elliot and signa were like dancing and whatnot at the end that's at right the party, that's right and that's when the duke died one thing, and I'm hope did you'll have to remind me if this was discovered, and I don't think it was because I probably would have flagged it a million times in my book. Did we ever discover what happened to Cygna's parents and everyone at Foxglove? I was going to ask that. I actually was going to ask that because when we get to that point and like you know we meet Amity, Calamity, mm-hmm. whatever her name was, <laughs> I was like, do we ever figure out who did it? Did I forget right. that very conveniently? I want, an, 
And maybe, maybe we'll find out in Wisteria. Okay. And I feel like fate would know because he weaves the tapestries. Like, well, and like death, well, I guess death doesn't know, does he? Because he didn't know who killed Byron either. No, because he said, I can only just take, like, he doesn't really talk to them. Because that was the first question. One of the first questions I think Cigna asked death in Belladonna was like, well, can you just find out what happened to her? And he was like, no. I can't that's not right. what I do I just want to I, I just want to know what happened and maybe that's how Cigna will stay in the story in Wisteria but I really would love to know like who had it out for the pharaohs and like why was the entire town essentially it was yeah. like very beauty and the beast like instead of a curse everyone died like, right and I I really did like that we got those elements like that they kind of brought it back and you know fate was like oh you should have a party and ha 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 and that we started at a party like I think there's a lot of really good symbolism throughout but yeah Yeah. I was wondering that too and I was like I'm so confused as to how all of this not necessarily matters but like how it's gonna play into you know I I was one I was curious how we were gonna bring Blythe back into the fold after Signal left and like Mm -hmm. how we were gonna get everyone else to kind of come back into Signa's life so I'm curious. I don't know because I also feel like there was kind of a conclusion in this with them all at the party and like half the ghosts like walking into the light or whatever. Yeah. But was everyone that was there that was haunting there? That was my this is my other question. Everyone that was in that house, they weren't all from the party, were they? Yeah. They were all from the party because I thought they were talking about how like spirits had just started to gather there. Gathered in that specific room. Okay. Because I was like, that was a lot of people, but I guess that makes sense. I, I think. I don't know. I, I'm curious. Well, also about her maid and Blythe, because her maid, they were saying, has the weird light. Has the weird light. Yeah. So I definitely. Yeah. There's going to be some stuff. And Eliza has the weird light too, right? They were, those ghosts were saying that. So side note, I totally forgot Charlotte, like, you know, existed. And I forgot that she came in Belladonna. I almost wish that she was a bigger part of this one because she was brought up a lot, but then it was also like super irrelevant. Like she was just, was she supposed to be in your opinion, was she supposed to just be another like factor of like, maybe she killed Lord Wakefield? What was the point of her? I think, I think she was added maybe a form of, I want to say like Cigna's guilt. Okay. Because Charlotte and, and I know obviously Percy was apparently getting around with all the ladies in town, but I think Charlotte and Percy had a connection yeah, she kept asking right. like where he was, um, and she was and like I, the one that knew that Signa had done it. I guess so. Yeah. She was. I don't know. I just. I almost wish she had more t- like like screen time. Yeah, I think I would have liked a little more. And I think I didn't like the screen time that she did get, though. Yeah, um, she's kind of a bitch. I know, and I was like, okay. And I think I kind of. I don't know. I liked seeing that because then. It's almost like, okay, so not everyone in Cigna's life that she's remembering that she did something to, not that everyone deserves things, but like, it's not always Cigna being yeah. like the problem. It's like, Charlotte's definitely a conniving bitch. Yeah. She's like, like a, a lady of society for sure. She showed her true colors. And I think fate saw that too, or was it just blight? I think it was fate too. And yeah, because she, there's like the, one of the interactions at the parties or something like that. Yeah. And she was like, and she like makes a a snide comment and like both Blythe and fate are like, right. And I think even Blythe might've called her out on it because Blythe has a sharp tongue and I freaking love it. Like she, I know she's a good character. And I think the timelines like Adeline did a really good job of like sucking you into Cigna and like, you know, we love a journey sequence and restoration project and then going back to Blythe and like the the stuff that she's going through and her trying to figure all of this out. And you almost kind of felt like they were going to have some sort of kinship, like her and Charlotte over her telling her basically that Cigna killed Percy. And then Blythe is like, well, I mean, thanks for the info, but you're still a bitch. Yeah, exactly. And I just... Blythe is one of my favorite characters in this whole series just because she is unapologetically her throughout mm-hmm. the entire I want to say the entire series the two books um but well she, and like 
she does a really good job of reminding everyone that she is not a fragile little flower, even though she almost died. Correct. And I love that. And she just is like, hello world, this is me. This is who I'm going to be. And you just are going to get over it. And I'm going to figure out who killed the Duke because it wasn't my dad. And just, I don't know. She just, she is Caroline. Like, yes, she is Caroline. She really is. That's so true. Just, and that is the biggest compliment because Caroline is unapologetically her the entire time. Such a vibe. Yeah. change your podcast to how every book is like the vampire i know diary. i know i'm like i'm literally gonna put like as always spoilers of the entire vampire diary series <laughs> at the front <laughs> no i really did and i liked i liked the timelines i think she did a great job of kind of like sucking you into both stories i really liked how you know her and signa signa feels like okay i have to tell her about this thing you know she brings the horse back to life or whatever and Blythe is not like oh wow that explains so much she's like get out and that she still does feel these feelings for percy and i think as us as readers like we obviously hate percy and i don't even remember a lot of him but like you know obviously we hate him but she did adeline did a great job of adding these elements of in there of signa reminding you that like percy was a person that was too much but Reminding that he was a person and saying, you know, I miss when he was teaching me how to dance. And like, I miss when we were doing this together and like that and that and that. And then, you know, when Blythe says that line where she's like, I didn't mean the horse. And it's like so heartbreaking and you want them to come back together. Right. And be cousins and her be like, it's okay. You know, I understand yada, yada. It's like, I loved that she didn't do that and that she sent her to Foxglove and she like willed her on her way and all that tension and like sadness wasn't like what brought the book down. It was more like them realizing like how important their relationships are with the people around them. And both of them had to like take a second and be like, okay, so if if she never forgives me, like, what does my life look like? And then if Blythe is like, if I never get Signa back, like, can I live on my own? Am I okay with these like terrible friends that I have? You know what I mean? And I love that. I, yes. No, I absolutely liked that as well. I also liked, though, I don't know, I, it was, if I'm remembering correctly, this, like, heart-wrenching scene when, where Cigna tells Blythe that Percy was the one who was poisoning her. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just, for that realization for Blythe to have, and she had this, this whole picture painted about Cigna at this point how she was this awful person who killed her brother and is in cahoots with death then having Cigna say I did all of this for you like yeah it was you or him and I chose you (laughs) Tatiana is making a very sad face right now (laughs) yeah and it's sad because I think Blythe in some level understands but is like never gonna be over it you know what I mean like she's never gonna not be sad that her brother did this to her one and two that her cousin had to like make that decision for her yeah Yeah. but then I think she did forgive her because she is now getting married to fate right were you surprised by that twist not at all because I not again I'm gonna not to like toot my own no I had a feeling from the very first time we saw fate, I was like, yeah. oh, that's for Blythe. Mm-hmm. And the entire time I'm like, Blythe is going to come in and save the day. And I Blythe think we is going to do something. Huh? I think we said that in the, like, in, in the in Belladonna, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I just kept saying to myself, because Addie, my cat, doesn't listen to me. And she doesn't. Fine. She doesn't have anything to say. No, she doesn't. But I just kept saying, Blythe is going to come in and do something and she's going to be, she's going to be it. And it, wisteria now makes a lot of sense like that book like the title and and i'm and honestly i was like i wonder if life is going to be on the cover and then we see the cover art and yes that's very much the case right so yeah it i was not shocked i was not even surprised i just was very happy with how it came about Mm -hmm. with with life you know in a sense forgiving signa for what happened and giving signa that little bit of happiness in the world, in a world of Cigna's life, not being full of happiness. Cause that's the other thing. I don't think Blythe realized really what Cigna's life was like before she came to live with them and like right. how sad it was and how centered around death it was. And that she didn't understand to this, to an extent that she wanted to take Cigna away from death in a way to like, bring her into the light but then she saw the love that death 
and Signa have for each other. And she did not want that destroyed. Which is like so compassionate. I think of Blythe for like everything she's going through for her to make that decision. I know it's a book, but like for her to make that decision in such a split second moment too, where she's like, I really have to do something that's going to affect my life for the rest of my life. And then she kind of sees that, like what caused Signa to make that decision in the first place. It's it's like that full full circle moment. Full circle moment. Um, (sighs) Yeah. They both made decisions that affected themselves or the other person. It was, it was so beautiful. I loved it. I did too. And I agree. Like it wasn't, wasn't necessarily like I was, I knew exactly how that was going to go down. And I think even as it was happening, I was kind of like, there's no way this is how it's going to go. And I loved that, you know, Blythe like came in at the last second and was like, me, bitch. I was getting, I was getting angry. I was like, what's the twist? <laughs> she was like, you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> here's my blood on the tapestry <laughs> and I I did like how that came together and I think it was really well done it's so funny because you know it's like this very light shimmering thing and she's like well if anybody asks it's just a scar and like but now I get to be a princess and all these things and I think that's so funny and I loved how I think it was Blythe it was Blythe or Fate someone like brings it up to her dad and is like oh yeah my fiance or whatever and then everybody's like what what <laughs> And I thought that was perfect. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, fate acts like he's some, you know, big, bad being. And then he's like, there's nothing compared to like an angry father. And you're like, that's so true. I love that fate has his hands full with Blythe. Like Blythe, I get Adeline's newsletter and I think she sent out or somebody had like the first two chapters of Wisteria. Oh. Or something. And it, it's hysterical the banter between Blythe and fate like that I cannot wait for Wisteria for the banter between those two characters alone like it literally could be 500 pages of their banter and I would be happy do we know is it going to be Blythe's POV only because I feel like that would also be a nice full circle moment of like Signa Blythe and Signa and then just Blythe like I don't know I feel like that would be kind of fun Granted, it would make me wonder how we're going to get Signa to st- stick around for so much of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's how she did it because I feel like she's really clever. I don't know. Big fan, Adeline. Big fan, if you're listening. Huge, huge fan. I really enjoyed just like how whimsical this world is too. And she did such a great job of kind of putting everybody in here and giving them all very definitive parts. I will say like, as I was listening, Eliza just sort of fell into the back of my head as like someone kind of irrelevant. I was like, okay, I know who Charlotte is. And there's like one other person and then Eliza. And when she comes up at the very end as being like super sick, I was like, who is this girl again? I forgot. So I liked it. But at the same time, I was like, she was a little, she was like a little irrelevant for me. And I think that was sort of the point, right? It was, but she was also like the Regina George of okay. those women. And so in my head, I was like, oh, she's like the queen bee bitch. Like That makes sense. And then there was like the the other one who I can't remember to me was like the Gretchen Wieners. Like, right, right. She's the um, one I like totally forgot. And then when, when Eliza comes up and she's like sick, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of remember her, but I don't remember the other girl at all. Yeah. The second she's sick, I was like, she's pregnant. See, I don't read enough historical fiction. I was like, oh, what's wrong with her? Poor thing. <laughs> I've read too many um, surprise pregnancy tropes. Yeah. To be like, oh, Back oh, she's day. sick. She's, she's pregnant. Oh, she's taking a mysterious tea? Mm. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I find that all to be very strange of that era where, I mean, I guess it's like you really don't have a choice, but I just find it all to be so odd to me that you would take all these things and like make yourself sick and be like, I am fine. Everything is fine. I would rather be dead than be ruined. And it's like. Yeah, because uh, if you're ruined, then you have literally nothing. Yeah. That's why like, I can't read historical fiction or historical romance because it makes me so angry because I'm like, yeah. it's, it's, it has not been that long since like women were not allowed to have credit cards. Right. That's like against the rules of feminism. What's that line? Yeah. I don't know. I just have a really hard time with it. Cause I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Go get you a job. You always need a chaperone. <laughs> you always need a chaperone. Yeah. I would definitely be an old spinster. I don't, Same. I probably would have to like go live at a convent or something because middle-class really didn't exist. So yeah, I'm like, I don't know what I would be to you people, but it couldn't be me. 
couldn't be me. You could sell or me off. What if it, as my mom says, if you were alive, like back in the Puritan era, she goes, you would have been burned at the stake. I was like, that's how I lived my life, mom. Lived that's my right. life on the as, edge as if I'm trying to get burned at the stake for being a witch. Yeah. I don't know that that to me is like, I don't, it's not silly, but it's just one of those things where I was like, okay, it, and it reminds me that I don't read enough of this or that I don't enjoy that aspect of it. But I, I agree. I like that it was Percy that was the father. And she was like, I can't believe he would leave me and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, sweetie. And everyone's he like, evil. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, one of the last lines in the book is like, obviously we find out Byron is the one who, who actually did do it. But it's like, they both kind of look at each other and are like resound to saying like, we have to take this to the grave. And yeah. this is like, you know, this has just got to be something we do. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that aspect of it and that they were able to kind of help her and all that kind of, you know, vibe that went into it. But I, I loved, thought it was interesting. I loved like the, the, the banter between Eliza and Blythe when they were making jokes about what to call each other. Yeah. Because she was going to marry Byron. <laughs> just because they like took jabs at each other. She was like, what are you like my aunt now? Like, it's just. And she's like, you're what? Three months older than me? Like, <laughs> we're the same age. Do I call you mommy or auntie? <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. that, the, their like jabs at each other just lightened the mood a bit yeah. about all of that in a very, because it is all very dark and really, I mean, I say this not as like throwing it away it's pretty depressing if you think about everything yeah. that's been happening and Adeline does a really good job of lightening the mood a bit to make you go okay cool like we're not like Jane Eyre is one of my absolute favorite books Jane Eyre is depressing as fuck mm-hmm. like there is no lighthearted banter to lighten the mood about that story Adeline does a great job of taking these like really dark topics and just being like, okay, this is digestible because I have like these two women jabbing each other with like insults in the funniest way that just make you go, oh, I can laugh at this, which I think is really hard to do in a way so that she doesn't, it's not forced where Mm -hmm. it's obvious, like they're trying to lighten the mood. It just flowed in a really good way. So. And I think it keeps you really engaged in a different sort of way too. like you're invested in the characters and like their outcome. And yeah, it's just like it's sort of that laughing in an awkward situation. And I love the jabs that she makes, too, when people are like, oh, it's surprising that you're here given the scandal. And she's like, what scandal? My father being wrongly accused of murder? That scandal? Like, you know, and she's so like deadpan about it. And I think and I loved that because love it gives that. You those. Yeah. And it's it's sort of like adding those modern elements in without taking you out of the story. You know what I mean? Like when people add like pop culture references, I know that sometimes people don't like that, but it's like when you add those sort of like sarcastic deadpan elements to it in something that shouldn't have, you know, anything but like prim and proper ladies, I think adds that sort of quirky modern sense to it. It gave me Lizzie Bennett vibes from Pride and Prejudice. Like she like says what she means. She has no problem. Like she just is who she, uh, again, back to being unapologetically her. Mm-hmm. And I love that about her, which is probably why Blythe is one of my absolute favorite characters in this story. But she just doesn't care. And she recognizes she comes from a state of privilege. Yeah. But she's able to not care. Like, I think she even says, like, I'm fine with money. Like, I have enough money to last me forever. Like, I can do whatever I want. I don't need to get married. So she recognizes that she comes from privilege and she's able to be unapologetically herself and not care about social norms. But she has such a big heart and she obviously loves her dad, even though he was a little bit of an absentee father in the first one for certain reasons. Right. Um, But he loves, she loves her dad and would do anything to like help get him out of prison and being tortured. Like, And I also love, if I'm remembering correctly also, that, like, her dad, Elijah kind of just accepted and was just like, yes, there's something quirky about Cigna, and we just have accepted it because she's helped us so much Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I loved that. I know I'm jumping all over, but I loved that for Cigna. Same. Of being accepted for who she is. Yeah. Like. Well, and I like that he 
you know, even when she goes to visit him the first time and like Gandry shows up the little dog mm-hmm. and he's like, well, I guess I'm just crazy. Ha ha ha. And it's like those, those things that he did. And I think he also feels like this inherent guilt of how he acted in the first one. And so he's like willing to accept what's going on because he knows one that the supernatural exists in one way, shape or form, like whether or not he was totally to- like shown that he knows that Cigna helped him, you know, get over and help his wife move on and all that kind of stuff right, so he witnessed all of that i think so yeah right yeah i think he witnessed everything yeah and i think he knows what happened to percy fair if i remember correctly oh my god if to the listeners we're real sorry <laughs> if i'm remembering correctly like he got to see his wife and signa had to say what happened to percy right something like that yeah yeah and i think after Actually, if I'm again remembering correctly, Blythe finds out that he knew and she gets mad at him for like a hot second. Am I making that up? I might perhaps in the first one. I think, yeah, that his wife was like haunting him or something. Like, I think she figures that out and he's like, yeah, I mean, we're all haunted by like the ghosts of our past or something, right? Like, something like that happens, something like that. But he, I think, at one point when she, when Blythe goes to see her dad, he she makes the comment about Cigna. And he's like, she's done more for this family than you know. Oh, that's right. And she, he was like, she was like, you don't know about her. And he was like, we all are a little off, but we all need to be like accepted or something like that. Yeah, at the very end. I think he like painted the, like paved the way for her to accept Signa for who she is. Mm-hmm. Because I think he wasn't too thrilled that Signa was not at Thorngrove. Life's house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I loved it though. I liked that we got to see, you know, Foxglove and the house in the sea and all that kind of stuff. And I liked Amity. I don't I don't know if she was necessarily like completely relevant because I didn't get the answer of who poisoned them and why her parents were important. But I I think maybe they might come in to the next I, bit. Like maybe not show up, but I think we might learn a little bit more about her family yeah, in the next one. I liked the connection that Signa Signa was able to get that connection to Fox Club and, and kind of figure out and, and understand who the people were and what her parents were like. She she doesn't know. She was a, a wee babe when everyone died. So being able to converse with a ghost that can give her first-hand information, I think, was really important to the story and to pushing Cigna's story forward as well because otherwise she's just in this like drafty house that's literally full of ghosts and no answers so it's giving the haunted mansion you know yes it is it is giving i yeah were there journals yeah she went into her dad's study like right before the party and there was like journals and drawings and things we just touched on that, right? So maybe... That- yeah, but I don't think she, like, read through them. So maybe we'll learn more there. Yeah. And some of the ghosts stayed, Adeline, like, not all us. of the... What? Adeline, if you're hearing this. <laughs> we really want to know what happened. <laughs> I really want to know. Well, and I think that not all the ghosts left, right? Yeah, some of them stayed. Right, but so maybe ones- we'll learn more. Yeah. A b- big chunk of that. Actually, I think they are in the process of moving on. Okay. I think it was just more like, all right, we have to move to the next room where they are. They got the benevolent ones out. Right. By the way, because they were more stuck in like a trance. Yeah. And like a time loop or whatever. Yeah. It's giving last great American dynasty. You know what I mean? That's that's the whole vibe of that. Yes. (laughs) Like if there was a song for this entire book, it would be that. (laughs) Yes. 100%. It's like a little house by the sea. Stop. I don't know. I, yeah, I want more. So yeah, I guess like my next question for you is what do you kind of hope for the next book other than banter between fate and Blythe? Like, what do you think is going to happen in the next one? Do you think there'll be another murder? I think there's definitely going to be, maybe the mystery is finding out what happened to Cygnus family. Okay. I could see that. I don't know what else could happen to these poor people Mm -hmm. that all, that they then don't, you know, become like, ostracized from society (laughs) 
But I think we're going to go through a Caroline and Klaus love story. I think it's definitely going to be enemies to lovers Mm -hmm. between Blythe and fate. I think they're going to come to a common ground about things. And I think, like I said, I really want more death and um, Signa. Yeah, I could see that being the mystery of like figuring it out. Like maybe someone else dies at Foxglove and they have to figure out and it's the same exact way or something. I think also it's going to be much more murder can we get? I know that's what I'm saying. It's going to become like murder. She wrote, you know, you see Jessica Fletcher, you need to run the opposite way. Well, nobody died at the end of this one. So maybe, right. I think it's going to be the wedding and I think it's going to be their relationship. And I think it's going to be focusing on Blythe's powers. Okay. Life. Yeah. What does that mean mean for, 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 are we bringing Percy back? You think? I don't know. No, he got reaped already. Right. He got reaped. He's gone. He go. He, he got like taken not nicely too. Like, yeah. Can we quickly talk about when death was ready to say goodbye to Cigna? Yeah. That like broke my heart. Yeah. When he was like, it doesn't matter where you are or how long I will always love you. And I will always be there for you. And I'm like, I don't grace what are you doing to me? I'll always love you too. And she was like resound to it. And I was like, no, it's fine. Bye. Their their relationship to me is like, I really like it, but it also makes me so sad because it's like, you know, she doesn't really get to see him a ton in this book. And you feel so bad that she cares so deeply for him. But yeah, there's so many other things in her life. And I think it's really intuitive of like, you know, I don't know, a long distance relationship, I guess you could say. But it's like, there's so many things in her life that are important that are going on. She has to solve. And her number one priority can't be her boyfriend. She can't see, you know what I mean? And it's like painful. Um, Yeah, this, there's a line here. This isn't the line, but it's, my brother may be a nuisance, but I do not fear him. I do, however, fear you, Signa, fear that someday you will break my heart. And then she says, it seems that even death has irrational fears. Adeline Grace, you know how to like destroy a human, apparently. That's right. (laughs) That was. That's her specialty. It really is. I love, yeah, I'm looking for like the specific, I remember I took a picture of it and posted it in my Insta story and I'm just not, oh, here it is. You are mine. The words were not possession, but a promise for as long as you'll have me, you are mine, Signa Pharaoh. I will burn the world to cinders before I let anyone. I was going to say to the listeners, we were making a sad face. <laughs> he, and she says something like that in the first one, right? And it's yeah. brought up again. Yeah. And it just. It broke my heart because I feel like as much as it's, you know, their love story, we didn't really get a lot of them together because they couldn't see each other. Yeah. Talk to each other. And so as a hopeless romantic, I was very much missing that. And I know there was a reason and that's because fate was trying to do his thing, but it was it was sad. And then like when they could finally see each other and then Faith's like, you're going to do this and you're going to be with me. And it just, I, <laughs> I didn't want to hate Faith, but I understood like where he was coming from. Yeah. But I was also mad that he put this impossible decision for death and Signa to make. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Blythe came in and made the decision for them. I know. And I, I did like that Blythe was kind of the one to make the trade with him initially i want to say where she comes up with the idea that you know to free her father she has to orchestrate this entire thing after he's already made a deal with signa and it's like all of these little elements in play and like you said you don't want to hate fate but i think he makes a very good like antagonist it's not like he's not necessarily a villain but it's like you know he's looking for something and it's selfish of him in his own way but at the same time, like, can't you respect it? I wonder too, like, I don't think we will because we haven't gotten a male POV, but I almost wonder if that we would get fates in the next book. And I think that would be really cool. But if she's staying consistent with the series, I don't think we will. I mean, we kind of got fates POV in the prologue. Yeah, that's true. So it's a possibility. Anything is possible. Anything is possible if you just believe in the power of love. Oh, I was going to say, if you just believe, and that's from Cinderella's story with the friend who did the commercial <laughs> the end but yeah it's amazing how much now like thinking back to it how much this book gives the vampire diaries but yeah like Faith everything much Damon but mm-hmm. then also Klaus like it just 
and it's because I'm rewatching the, the season right now. So it's everything like real, fresh in, real fresh in my mind. That's right. Any romance ever could be brought back to the Vampire Diaries. What All of them. The show, we'll say. The show. I have never read the books, Either but uh, <laughs> there's a Matt Donovan for us all. <laughs> there is a golden retriever. Yeah, a golden retriever, token human. Uh, there is a, a Stefan. There's a, there's a Stefan Damon situation almost always. Always. Yeah. Everything can be brought back in one way, shape, or form. Yep. I love that. What was your, uh, what was your star rating? I gave it five stars. Yeah. Five stars. I just felt like it was a really good, and I will say this. A lot of people say the second books are the worst one. I tend to like the second books the best because we now know the characters. We know their nuances, mm-hmm. their cadences, everything. And it's just more pushing the story forward. And I know sometimes that can be really difficult for an author, but when it's done well, it's like done well. And I think I like this one a lot. I think it, bring it back to what I said in the very beginning, it like passed the torch for the story to be about life in a really good way and to set up Wisteria without it being obvious. Yeah, I agree. I think I I gave it like fives. I feel like I used to rate it like 4.75 or four and a half or three. But like now that Goodreads doesn't let me do that and I don't use StoryGraph, I'm just like four or five. So yeah. I gave this one a five. Also, I will say last week I did say I rounded down for Curse for True Love, but I think I probably should round up. <laughs> but this one, I think because there was no questions for me at the end, like I didn't have any burning, yeah, you know, I mean, there's just the one of what happened at Fox Club. Like, that right. is my question I will always have until it's mm-hmm. answered. If we can touch on A Curse for True Love, like, we didn't necessarily get the answers to why he needed the apples. Correct. And that, that's just <laughs> the face Tatiana is making right now. I'll never be And all that. he said is, I don't need them anymore. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, why did you? So yeah. there's nothing like it's just the one question which is covering all of the books mm-hmm. as of right now. That's my one question for this series is what happened at Fox Club? Who did right. and why? Yeah, and I had that question too, but I don't think it was like so much that it like moved the story along. Like I want to know the answer, but I think there was a lot in A Curse for True Love that I was like, okay, we'll table that for later. Yeah. But in this one, it's like, I don't think I had any undying questions. I really liked the way that all the storylines wrapped up in this one. She brought back a lot of the first book and like reminded you of what happened, even if you hadn't reread it, which I love that in a fantasy, if it's not overdone, like, she yeah. doesn't keep mentioning it, but she does definitely bring it up. And then you're like, oh yeah, I do remember like she did go see Charlotte before she left and, you know, tying in those elements if you haven't read the book in a while and making it so you don't have to reread it. And I agree. Like I, I like the second book especially the way that she did it. I love the the passing of the torch, the dual POV. I think yeah. it added so many elements to it. It was a very unique like twist on a love triangle. We had really good elements. And I like when there's not like an overarching villain, especially when we had someone who like in the last one, you don't want him to be the villain, but like Percy was really evil. Like he was really yeah. bad. And he so it's like, like, I'm glad that even though there was death in this one, and you know someone important dies that it wasn't like we were searching for this like overbearing sense of like dread you know what i mean it's like this clearly was some sort of like very plotted planned murder murder what murder you know like it's it's very much that and it wasn't like i felt like anybody else was in danger whereas like in the first one you know obviously it's Blythe is the target but you still kind of feel like signa might be next someone else could be so i I was glad that we didn't get that it wasn't done out of malicious intent correct and i think it was just the consequences of other people's actions that caused this Mm -hmm. and while it was a death it wasn't a like premeditated murder right and and there wasn't that like sociopathic kind of character that you were just like holy crap where did you come from because you were like you know dancing with your cousin and taking care of your sister five seconds ago and then you like you murdered your mother who wasn't your mother but like it just I it's hard reading those evil evil characters and Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we didn't have 
those evil, evil characters in this one. Agreed. And I think that adds, you know, like it gives you more hope too. And you're like more, not more invested, but like you get more time to spend with the characters, not worrying about what's going to happen to them, but like learning more about their weird nuances and who everyone's going to be. And I think she did a good job with these side characters and like adding them in. Like, I love that. I love a good, a a well-written side character. Yeah. I love when you want to know what happens to them. And I love that a side character in book one is becoming the main character in book three. Like it just, I loved it. I just, such good vibes. So good. Such good vibes. (laughs) Vibes, vibes, vibes. No, I liked it. I'm excited. When does the next one come out? I I don't know. Next year, probably around the same time. Yeah. I know I pre-ordered it already. Because there was like a pre-order sale at Barnes and Noble. This is one of those very few books and not to bring it back to Curse for True Love, but that trilogy too, where the UK and the US covers are like equally beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think with like a Curse for True Love, both of those covers, I think with like the UK cover, everything was very much spelled out of what was happening within that book. And then the US was very much more simple, symbolic. Yeah. But I think with this one, it's like the US covers are gorgeous and then the uk covers are very much that gothic element we're going to bring it back to like the creep level but in yes a beautiful way in that like dark not necessarily dark academia but like that dark gothic way that really plays up to what the genre is of this book and i love both of them equally normally i'm like oh my god the uk cover is so much prettier but no this one they're both done in Donan. Donan. So the ultimate question I have for you is when do the Fox Love candles come out? Uh, I just, <laughs> I don't know. Did make a Belladonna candle for Halloween and I'm just going to keep it around. Yeah. Which is the five Belladonna berries. Um, I have to really think about this one. It might be like a seaside smelling one to represent like, the house on the sea. And then I can't wait for the Wisteria one. And then when the Wisteria, Wisteria comes out, and if I do a candle for that, I might redo all the labels so that they can all go together. That's right. That's just my brain spewing right now. It's fine. <laughs> I like that. I want a Blythe candle. Yes, I would definitely do a Blythe candle. She would just be like sunshine and spitfire. Like, it just... Yeah, she <laughs> she deserves that. <laughs> She does deserve that. It would be a very bright candle. I mean, they're all bright. It's like a whole line of those. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, where can everybody find you on the bookish interwebs? Find me on Instagram and TikTok at Molly Smiles Reads. And to find out more about my bookish candles, you can find me at smilesandlight.com. Um, there is a code. Am I right? There mm-hmm. is a promo code. Bookish Banter 10, my holiday line is out for pre-orders. And that is the um the Polar Express. So I am yeah. so excited about those. I'm excited about them too. Yay. Yay. But thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, it's so much fun. I'm so glad we got to chat about this one. I know it was like a long time coming because I know this I know it just came out, but I feel like we talked about make sure making sure we were gonna do this. And we have not finished a lot of other books that we said we were gonna <laughs> check this off of our list. Everybody say bye. 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 Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.